We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Yet another week of our Ted Lasso Season 2 rewatch tonight, talking Episode 6. And joining me as always, my co-host, the biggest Ted Lasso fan in the land. It is Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, as always. Just just excited to talk about this show that we... That we pretty much just talk about whenever we talk, it's just about this show. So yeah. it's just nice just nice to record our conversations before we get into it. What is going on at For the Win? Uh, you know, just a lot of content. All the content. <laughs> usual. But you know, with college football kicking off and soon to be with NFL kicking off, we're gonna have a lot of great stuff over at ftw.usatoday.com and follow us at For the Win on Twitter and other social networks everyone go check that out and as always want to thank our our patreon subscribers and a new patron mike drees shout out to our producer level patrons that's aaron figueroa mike schubert steve rogers and kevin frost if you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports you get to support this show which is awesome uh you get to vote on movies and patrons choice topics that are covered by the podcast this month we're covering the greatest game ever played and almost famous as voted on by the patrons some new polls are about to go live to pick uh pick new movies for the month of october so get it on that uh, and you can get some stickers. We we have big screen sports <laughs> stickers. They're great. And I am not done shilling out and promoting stuff. I want to, Alex, I have a question for you. Did you know that when I was in college, I dipped? How gross is that? You did not. I did. did you know, I, really? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I played baseball. Yeah. I, I, I chewed, oh, okay. mostly I chewed Red Man. <laughs> Uh, I also smoked. I was just generally gross in college. The first year I got out of college, I was really helped by a product called Grinds. Grinds is a, it is uh, coffee pouches. They're like a tobacco alternative. They come in what looks like dip cans. And Grinds is is helping sponsor the show. Go to getgrinds.com slash Kyle10 for 10% off your first can of Grinds coffee pouches. Uh, they're an alternative also to that afternoon cup of coffee that'll make you pee like seven times after you have it. Um, I am a huge fan of Grinds. It's, it helped me wean off chew. And then now they just help me stay awake. Nicotine-free, tobacco-free. They should be in every college dugout in the country i believe and if you're someone who uses smokeless tobacco or just needs an afternoon pick me up and needs to skip that cup of coffee try out grinds get grinds.com slash kyle 10 you'll you'll like the way you like the way they taste my mind is blown right now like tell me like the caffeine boost i'm sorry i just really want to know it's no no it's it's actually pretty good so i will have um in this the, is not in the staged afternoon. by the way i did not no, know no that no that yeah happen, alex so. yeah alex didn't know about this so in the <laughs> afternoon i will uh i will grab the the mint chocolate uh double caffeine and it's like an it's like a nice little boost yeah it's and it's easier than sucking down a third cup of coffee they're delicious they're really tasty okay i'm gonna get I'm gonna i'll get send some. you some thank you they the, <laughs> shout out to the folks at grinds for sending me a massive sampler you are you are beloved awesome. but uh you know what else is beloved ted lasso so let, let's talk about <laughs> ted lasso season two episode six the signal 
Ted is fired up that the new team dynamic seems to be working, but will they have a chance in the quarterfinal? This episode, and I want your thoughts on this. We had talked earlier, with Brent, remember when Brendan Hunt said the first three episodes were meant to be, they thought they were going to be released, and so it was kind of its own kind of package. They thought they were going to be released at once. I felt yeah. like the first five episodes of this season were its own thing. I felt like we kind of wrapped up a lot of things in the first five, and this felt like, okay, let's open up some new some new plot points and some new things going on. How did, when you finished this one, what was your reaction? Um. Yes, I, <laughs> I agree. No, I think um, I really didn't know how long they were going to drag this whole thing out with banter, you know, and I so I thought this could be like an all season thing. I don't know. Just one of those things that sort of annoys us. Um, but I thought especially with Ted and his like psychological concerns, I don't want to say issues because I feel like that has a negative connotation, but to see him finally addressing that and realizing this is a problem and it's interfering with everything. And we're seeing him having panic on the field, like, you know, and then we have Rebecca and everybody's just sort of coming to a breaking point. And then Nate, we don't even, Oh, I'm so glad you organized this show because if I did this on my own, it would just be me doing stuff like that for 30 minutes. And then Nate, and then like Rebecca, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the one that I think we had speculated a few weeks ago. We were like, yeah, I think at the end of the season, you know, we're finally going to get that Ted and Dr. Sharon sit down and then we'll find out who Rebecca has been messaging on banter and stuff like that. And all this stuff has come to a head halfway through the season. It looks like Ted is finally ready to open up about these issues that are, you know, they're clearly not gone. Nate has found himself a bit, which I will credit you our episode last week with uh with our our good pal Mike Golick Jr. we're I I pose the question who is going to be the person to like talk to Nate and snap him out of this and you said it's got to be something Nate himself does that was that was that was kind of the general summation of what you said and it was it was Nate taking initiative it wasn't anyone doing it for him so um a lot of a lot of things come to a head Ted's ready to open up Nate's kind of found himself Jamie has some swagger back Rebecca <laughs> and Sam like, holy shit, a lot happens in this episode. Yes. And I don't want to do what I always do, which is like, let's talk about the beginning and the end at the same time. So I'm I'm letting you like organize this. But I, I'm not going to say it was my favorite episode so far. I think they're all good, of course. So it's certainly not my least favorite. I'm just saying this one to me wasn't as rewatchable because so much happened. And a lot of it was intense. I mean, that's what this show does well. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of happy. There's a lot of like, oh, I'm so warm and fuzzy right now, but there's a lot of uncomfortable tension too. That's very realistic. And I think that's a big part of its appeal, but like, I've never seen an episode that's left me so kind of unsettled before where I'm like, I know we're going to get the answers to our questions in the future, but I'm actually legitimately worried for how all this is going to shake out. Yeah, it was the first one where I felt like I needed legitimate time to process this. Like I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't ready to dive back into it. I, I was like, I needed to think about this, and then I'll do, then I'll do my research. I have one opening question for you before we actually get into it. Okay. What's running charades? Really, I don't know what what running charades is. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, and I should have. Normal me would have looked that up and had like a fun fact or something. I'm sure it's not. It's not real. Yeah, I don't know. Right. The British listeners, we we need you on that one. I love how we don't Google anything on this show. We're like, listeners, tell us. <laughs> Please Why? Google. Yeah, we're not going to do that background <laughs> research. Absolutely not. That's for that's for the British listeners. So uh, let's job. get into let's get into our best scene for you. What is the what is the best scene in this one? Oh gosh, oh gosh, I ah. There's a lot prepared. of choices. I'm going to, instead of doing our usual, you know, run it down every single aspect, I'm just going to say there's just... the diamond, there's the diamond dogs reconvening, which is, it is very <sighs> difficult to tell someone that their relationship doesn't work. There's the practice where you have the, the Roy Nate dynamic, which is, um, you can see, you can see that Nate's a little insecure. Uh, you have Roy versus Jamie when they finally come to a head in the locker room, you have the signal, which is. I don't know if you saw the video that Brendan Hunt posted. Yes, but Phil did. Dunster actually drained that kick, which is I fucking know. insane. That and is, there, it makes it even better. There were people like which you and I have both said multiple times. We are not soccer experts on this show, <laughs> but like that we are not. No, but but I do work in sports media, so I'm very used to regular people saying, "Well, of course he made it. He didn't have anybody coming after him," and I'm like. 
you really, really overestimate, I think your own athletic abilities like that. There's no way in a million years like you that would no one on the field. That was just incredible. And I love how Brendan was like, no pressure. Cause it's CGI. They can put the ball wherever they want. And he, I just love that. I think I thought that was such a little, like a, a fun behind the scenes thing. And for a show like this, we don't get a lot of behind the scenes stuff. We really don't, you know, how, like, you know, all the Marvel people, which, by the way, earlier, did you say one of the subscribers was named Steve Rogers? Because yes, yeah, he actually joined as Captain America. Which is shout out Cap. Funny. All right. Shout out anyway, Cap. speaking of, but yeah, you know how like the Marvel once they got done making the movies and stuff, they started sharing all their behind the scenes stuff. I'm hoping after season three is done and we know that's the end of the show, that this cast will do that as well because I'm so I think so many people want to know. You know, you watch things you're like, how many takes did that take, or like, what was it? What was the dynamic here? And that was just a really cool thing. See. Yeah, we said it back in season one, but like would buy the the DVD box set of this. 100%. I would Absolutely. never, I will probably never buy a DVD again, but I would buy, I would buy this. It's free yeah, money. And by, yeah, exactly. And, by, and behind the scenes, stuff like that makes you appreciate even more. Like that that scene, I like even more knowing that Phil Dunster nailed that kick. Um, the other two are the the panic attack that, that Ted suffers. And, and that kind of, that goes into the extended sequence of Nate, uh, you know, Nate making the decision of how the team is going to um, ba- basically win the game. And then um, at the end, the the Sam reveal, the LDN-152 reveal, which is yeah. which is overshadowed, in my opinion, by uh, Colin rapping Jumpman in the middle seat. <laughs> I know. It's such a beautiful thing. I Yeah, so you have a lot of scenes that work in their own right, and that's really what it comes down to. You've got a lot of different examples. Um, I do think just for the sake of like good TV and having people guessing and then doing a reveal, I do think the Sam scene was wonderful. And because everybody loves that collective idea of like, I knew it, or I had no idea, or I can't believe they blah, blah, blah. Everyone loves that. And so just for the sake of like good entertainment, I'll say that was the best scene. It was, it was great. I mean, because that had been the whole thing, you know, who is LDN-152? We all think it's Ted. There's, you know, that red herring. And then it's Sam, which, I mean, we might as well talk about it now. What is, what does this couple look like? Because they're, I'm sure they, they meet at some point. So like right now, Rebecca, she's living a great life. She's got hot Luca, hot uh, Luca. coming over, opening the fridge naked. Um, that's something I'm... Walking around naked in someone else's digs is kind of a kind of a weird move. Like walking it naked in the kitchen when it's not your kitchen and you've already you've already done your activities. That's like I don't know. I like to cook. <laughs> Kitchen's kind of like. But anyways, Rebecca's doing she's doing great with Hot Luca, but she's got this thing going with with our guy LDN one five two, who we now know as Sam. What um, I mean, unpack that for me. That's that's a lot of different dynamics. There's an age gap. There's a financial gap. There's obviously ethical problems. Yeah. Got to call an HR on this one. Like (laughs) there's a lot to unpack. Um, Yeah. So one thing I was going to text you this week and I forgot because (laughs) I was going to say, dear reader, dear listener, this has been a very trying week for me. (laughs) So like, I feel so unprepared for this, but I know you and I discussed Sam and Rebecca like last last season on our show but like they had some chemistry they had some sparks yeah i think we said they had chemistry and i was like tell me what episode that is so i can go back and see because i think i've just changed my mind a million times but i think ultimately the reason why all of us dismiss sam is they're like a team owner cannot date a player like that's going to be a big scandal there's no way and she hates scandal and whatever so but here's what i was thinking one of the things that didn't sit right with me and I don't like speculating on what this show is going to do. Cause obviously what do I know? I'm just a fan. It, what didn't sit with me was after the protest, we just kind of casually went to banter without really addressing it again. So, uh, you know, they had the line in that episode was like, they're going to, we're, we're going to lose money. Like they knew that it was going to be bad if, if Sam refused to do it. And then they managed to get Sam to refuse to be their spokesperson. They covered it up. All of a sudden banter is now the sponsor at least just my feeling on this is like lasso as a show would not leave that untied as well. I guess everything just worked out fine. They got a new sponsor. Everything's fine. So now you have Rebecca who's potentially being struck by lightning and struck by some other stuff with Sam. 
And who would be a person or two people who would want to see both Rebecca and Sam go down for their own sake? Rupert and his friend who owns Cerulean Oil. And so I, I said this to my friend Adam yesterday, which spoiler alert, who will be on the show next week. Um, Rap air horn. (laughs) So I told him, I'm like, for some reason I'm seeing this play out where like they try to keep it a secret. And then those two find out and Rupert tries to blackmail her or something, or he's trying to, you know, cause Rupert doesn't just go away. That's another thing too, that has bothered me is like, I get that he hasn't been relevant to anything they've done this season, but a bad guy like that doesn't just go away. He's and lurking in conflict, the shadows, hanging out with Robbie Williams. Exactly. Robbie Williams. And I can't remember the guy's name who owns <laughs> Dubai Air. It's really real. I just, I see this going very bad. And Rebecca, who's already been through so much public scandal is going to have to make a choice. Now that could be resolved in a few ways. Like they can move them to another team. Right. So, but even then she'll be known as like the woman who, you know, went for the younger guy. It's just, there's a lot there that isn't as easy as, Oh, great. She has a, a really hot, nice guy in her life. This is her employee. And it's a disaster waiting to happen. And we all know that. And I think that's what's added to the tension of it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how it plays out because I that's that's the biggest I guess not question mark but like the the biggest risk there and I think you're exactly right with how that's going to play out. So, it was it was very it was a very good reveal, you know, they're like on their way to the club. Yeah. Again, Colin just just rocking it. Just, just absolutely great it. great episode for him. Uh, Colin but it, had yeah. a good he had a good episode. It's going to it's going to be interesting how they play it out. Um, also, you know, want to touch on it for the best scene. I think the panic attack, that whole that whole set piece from the moment that I and I wanted to ask you what you thought um, when Ted, he starts to you, you've described how well this show um, handles the panic attack. Ted starts to look down at his hands and stuff. He hears he connects. He hears uh, what he remembers talking about Jamie's Jamie's father. He remembers um, he had walked mm-hmm. in on. Jamie's dad berating him after a match and then he hears his own son's voice and earlier in the episode we had had the thing that um you know Ted that I think being away from his son is that trigger is triggering this breakdown I'm wondering if like the thing with Jamie is like is not being able to be there for his son is that the trauma that is kind of causing him he you know because Jamie has this Jamie has all these father issues do you think that's what Ted is really reeling from at this time Yeah. I mean, so I think this season has a lot to do with fathers and sons in general. I think they're really leaning into that dynamic. I'm not saying they're making it a theme, but I think when the season is done, it's possible it could be a theme. So when you recap every time Ted has been uncomfortable or has done something that's all made us kind of pause and say, that's not good. So when Rebecca's singing, let it go, which is a song from frozen, which if you are a parent, we were talking about like the mutual, the universal experiences of being a parent, you know, things that trigger both kids. And like, in that case with Jamie, we saw what happened on Christmas when, you know, if Rebecca hadn't shown up on Christmas, I think that could be a whole show on its own. What would have happened if she hadn't shown up? I think he would have gotten very drunk and that's not judgment by the way. That's just me saying he even said it later. Like it would have been me watching it's a wonderful life and, and, you know, drinking whiskey and that could have gotten very dark. I think he's dealing with a lot. Of, and he called, he even called the drone a guilt gift. Like it's just a Christmas gift that uh, parents give their kids Christmas gifts. And he called it the guilt gift. So clearly he's holding on to a lot of that as far as it, it could be tied to the divorce as well. I mean, we don't really know the extent of it, but he also made that comment earlier in the season about his own father and what was the line? He said he spent so much time beating himself up. He didn't worry about anybody else or something like that. That indicated like his father was a troubled man, maybe not mean to Ted, but that for whatever reason, you know, he's got his own issues there too. So yeah, I think something there is triggering it. And we, and even like, the, obviously the sheer fact of bringing Jamie back, which by the way, I will admit on this show on the record, I believe I've said many times, there's nothing you could do to make me like Jamie. <laughs> 
And I was a liar. I was wrong because I like Jamie a lot. But what it took to do that was to make him humbled and Ted saying, like suddenly changing his mind and understanding what he did was volatile. Even if Jamie worked out, that wasn't a good decision at the time. And I, I get very, I'm very particular about this when I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I have a point, I swear. No, so, go, you go for it. I have a point about this. Just because something works out well because of something you chose doesn't mean it was the best decision to make at the time. It just doesn't. You know, like if, I don't know, if I were to throw my laptop off a seven story building and it lands and everything's fine, you know, and it goes viral. Like if somebody filmed it and it was like a whole thing, like, oh, that was so smart that you did that. No, it wasn't. I threw my laptop off a building just because it worked out well doesn't mean it was the best decision to make. So I feel the same way with Ted bringing Jamie back. I'm glad it's working out for all involved and I'm glad Jamie's humble and everything. But he was so moved by the fact that not everybody had great dads. Not everybody has great dads. We need to, he suddenly kind of ignored, I think his gut instinct, which is he's trying to build something that's a place of positivity. He didn't know that Jamie would come in being humble. He had no idea what was going to happen. It's just Jamie did. He came in and he was humbled and he was very willing to like jump in, but I still don't think that was a good decision as a coach. So to answer your question after five minutes, yeah, I think he's being triggered by father son issues or father kid issues. We want to say that. Yeah. You're right. That it's the, like the, it's been the theme of the season. Um, and it's the basis of that conversation that Jamie and Ted have when Jamie takes him back when they're at the, at the pub. So it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. I wonder how much of, you know, of the conversation between him and Dr. Sharon, we're going to see. Um, but you, you mentioned Jamie, same I've gone, I've gone full turn. I loved, I loved him and Roy finally coming to an understanding because it, it it would get old if they just hated each other forever, especially with Roy as, as the coach. And like, don't get me wrong, Roy hates Jamie. Roy does not like Jamie. They will not hang out. They will not be friends. But that they've now come to this understanding, and it was really great seeing Roy be like, "What you know, you being a dick is what makes you good." And then it was very rewarding to then see we we've never really gotten to root for Jamie on the, on the pitch. Like we all, the few times we've seen him, we've hated him. He's either played for Manchester city in the, the final in season one, or when we've seen him playing for AFC Richmond in season one, we're just like, this guy's an asshole. But yeah. now it's like, he's our asshole. Like we get to go watch him, <laughs> you know, we get to go watch him make the other team really mad and, and sink that cool shot. It, it's really, really cool. Great. Great soccer stuff this episode. You yeah. get the, the practice, uh, Colin telling, you know, I am a strong, capable man and not a piece of shit. You get the <laughs> actual match. You get a lot of action. And that gets, you get redemption for, you know, or not not redemption for Nate, but you get Nate finally like finding himself because he's been so insecure about, you know, Roy just knowing more or Roy, you know, Roy knowing how to connect with the players. There's the thing at the practice where, you know, Colin misfires and and Nate kind of freaks out and Roy tells him you know what he needs to do and stuff like that and then but Nate finally um you know finally taking command and you know he knows what to do and he helps the team do a victory and it gives him like that confidence I think I tweeted something about how Roy Kent telling you good fucking job could get you through like 15 years of terrible things and like that's how Roy tells Nate good job at the end of this episode I think that could that does more for Nate than anything in the world could but is it a good thing is my question. I, don't, I think I we feel saw... like it. Well, he's going through looking at his tweets. I think he, I think his ego is going to need to get knocked down a little bit, but I think it is good that he is at least not so painfully insecure. It's, I think it's a process for Nate because it wouldn't be good if he went back to being wildly timid and, and deeply insecure about his role in the team as well. Sure. I just think, okay, here are my thoughts. <laughs> I don't think he's a bad guy. I think something very dark in him has been unleashed by the past two episodes because he's been put in situations where he was expected to perform and he performed well. And I think it's easy to look at it and say, finally, shy, timid Nate realizes his worth. When you have been knocked down over and over and over again, your entire life, when 
you have lived your life like Nate, where everybody makes fun of you and you allow it, where you stay quiet because you think you're supposed to, when even Ted Lasso laughs at you and you say, oh, okay, you need someone strong to handle it. I can do it. There's an anger and a bitterness and a resentment that comes with that. And you either handle it in various ways, or it stays there. And then when you finally get good at something and you have enough clout to say, look at how good I am, that anger comes out and that resentment comes out. And suddenly you're like, I've got power now, even if it's just, you know, media power or social power or something. I don't think Nate at his core is a bad person. I think this whole show kind of shows this. I don't think anybody at their core with some exceptions are (laughs) bad people, but I think, I don't think he's going to handle this. Well, the same way we saw, like he was finally made a coach. And at the beginning of the season, what did we see? He's just, he's a tyrant, you know, and they're all kind of uneasy and they don't want to say anything. Cause it's like, well, he's young. He'll learn. But now that, you know, Ted was out, Ted had to go in and Nate had to step in and save the day. And in a community like Richmond, especially a sports fan community like Richmond, that's going to be a big deal. And he's going to become the hero and I don't think he's in the position to handle it well. And I think Dr. Sharon will come in on this. I think Dr. Sharon's going to save everyone. <laughs> we, I mean, we need Dr. Sharon to step in and, and save a lot of people, especially, especially our guy, uh, Ted. Let's take a quick ad break and then get back with our favorite under the radar joke. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're back. Uh, funniest one-liner or under-the-radar joke. This is an episode that isn't like too full of jokes comparatively, I would think, especially like compared to the rom-com episode, which made me laugh out loud a million times. There's yeah. one here I love where when Jamie comes in to the coach's office complaining about Roy is not coaching him, and he, you know, everyone talks to him, and then Keeley leaves, and Ted leaves, and Nate leaves, and then him and Beard are left there. And Jamie just looks at him and says, I don't really know how to talk to you. And Beard says, then it's working. And that's, our, I think, our first and only <laughs> interaction with those two uh, since, the, since the series has started. So that, that one made me laugh out loud. Did you have something that, that got you in this one? Yeah, I, it's very silly. I'm not going to say it's like the funniest line, but it made me laugh. So when Ted is walking in the building and he sees Roy and Keeley, and he's like, I'm shipping the heck out of you two. And Roy says, I'm calling HR. And he said, you tell Mr. Poppins stuff. I said, hello. That is a joke for people born in the early to mid 70s. I don't I had know to why, lo- but it just really tickled me. I thought it was. Good. I had to look up what that was. I had to you look didn't. up that reference. I did. You, oh, come on. I, I was born in 86 and I know who HR Poppins stuff was. I had no clue. It was it completely sailed over my head. Come I had on. to look it up. Wow. Well. I mean, Whatever. he said people born in the 70s. You you just have good taste, apparently. I, <laughs> I did not. I think just culturally, I've always been very mindful of a lot of things that happened around me so I could always fit in on any conversation, no matter the age of person. We just got vulnerable on this podcast. <laughs> That's smart. I mean, <laughs> I'm a on, chameleon. On, a Ted, on a Ted Lasso podcast, who could get vulnerable? I know. Um, what <laughs> else? Okay, so what else worked about this one? I want... A uh, uh, Brené Brown shout out. You were tweeting at Brené Brown today. Like she gets her, she gets her shout out. She deserves it. I just love what did what did they say the book called? Which it's not Enter the Arena, but Carry a Knife. <laughs> <laughs> so again, and I know we've said this before. If if nothing else, please just Google Brené Brown TED Talk, and I know what will come up already. 
even though I really recommend everyone read all of her books and read her blogs, I just think she's an incredible researcher who has devoted her life to studying why people feel shame and how that separates them from people and kind of how shame is just the fear of separation from the people you love. Um, and it's about vulnerability and everything else. And she's also just very funny and stuff, but, um, yeah, she, and she loves the show. She loved it early on. She's had them on like such a big deal. Did you see her tweet with wearing all the AFC Richmond stuff? I did. I, I did. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe she'll get a cameo in season three. She deserves one. I'm not so sure she doesn't already have one, like in season two, maybe, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, I also, <laughs> I loved the angry soccer hooligans in the in the pub watching British Bake Off. Yes. Or, or what we call the Great British Baking Show. I think I've asked you before, are you a Great British Baking Show fan? I watched it once and I couldn't get into it. I'm sorry. I'm more into bake. I'm more into like um, nailed it. I'm into cooking shows that go wrong. Like, I okay. want to see you fail because <laughs> I think like, I, look, I would love to be able to make like a beautiful three tiered cake with fondant and all that stuff. But I'm just not that person. I like seeing people try their best and absolutely miss. That's the shutdown full cast in you. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. And also like I'm an Ole Miss fan. So like it just <laughs> it all that's fits together. It's my that, personality. That's a really good point. Uh, what else in this episode worked for you? So here's one thing, actually, I'm not going to say this worked for me, but this is one thing I want to bring up because I think it's an interesting conversation because we know Lasso is very careful. Lasso is a show. I like to call it Lasso when I'm talking about the show and not the character, by the way. So we know they are very careful and deliberate and intentional about everything. Very rarely do you find consistency problems. Okay. So after this show premiered, and I just want to bring this up because I think it's like a fun journey to go on together. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> After the show premiered, even I, I was one of these people. And I also had friends who were texting me saying, wait, did you catch the continuity error at the end of the show? And so now, mind you, I do not believe it's an error. And I have a theory about that after this. So just hang with me for a minute. Okay. So in my mind, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's such a glaring error. They would never do that. You cannot tell me they did that. People watch, there are people hired specifically to make sure stuff like this never happens. So when Ted leaves the field and goes in and they're looking for him, you know, Rebecca goes in the locker room and she sees his jacket on the floor and she picks it up. And that's like a pivotal moment because it says something bad has happened to Ted to the point where he's apparently stripping and he is somewhere in this building, we think. And then Later at the end of the show, we see Dr. Fieldstone come to her office and he's wearing the jacket. And the way that those scenes were laid out, I understand why so many of us thought like, oh, it's a continuity error because here's how it was set up. So you have the jacket, right? <laughs> and you have the locker room and they're all celebrating and they won. And then you have the conversation where they say, Dr. Fieldstone, come celebrate with us, whatever they said to her. And she said, you know, for a quarterfinal win, I'll give you one drink. And then we have a series of scenes after that. We have Rebecca going home and calling Ted on the way because she's going to have a difficult conversation with her mother. We have her, you know, walking up the stairs, getting ready to get with hot Luca. And that's when we have the Sam reveal. So clearly time has passed through all of this. But when we come back to, you know, AFC Richmond, when we come back to them, we see Dr. Fieldstone go in her office. So the only thing we've seen is like her walking with the guys and she's like, I'll be right out. And then we see her walking into her office. So at first watch the impression is, oh, she's going to drop her stuff off before she's going to have the drink. And so my thought was like, oh, this is right after like she's getting ready to leave to go have the drink with him. And he's got his jacket on. And I'm like, this just, it really bugged me and I couldn't get over it. And then luckily I had a friend who said, go back and watch it again and watch how those scenes play out. And I saw like, clearly time has passed. More than that, when we see Dr. Fieldstone walk in her office, the whole building's dark, there's no one there. So this is not right after everybody was celebrating. Like people don't just clear out that quickly. It's not her job to turn out the lights. You know what I'm saying? So clearly this is after they've had the drink together. So presumably everyone left and Ted might've collected himself. And we don't even know if he was just in her office the whole time, he could have been anywhere. And he put his jacket back on, whatever, and ended up in, in her office. But I can't tell you how many people were like, I can't believe they did that. And I, I was so 
I was upset by it because it's such a minor thing I realized. <laughs> get like, But I'm like, this show just doesn't do that. There's got to be a reason behind it. There has to be a reason behind everything. And so, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. How did you, did you read it that way? Did you even notice? I, I did not, I did not notice. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that. you're right that the show, I mean, everything, we've said it, this show, everything this show does is very intentional, including yeah. uh, a couple episodes ago, when Higgins is doing the floating office thing again and the floating desk thing, and they say, you know, something about why don't you have your desk there? And he mentioned something about laughing Liam. And then did you notice we met laughing Liam yes. in the beginning of this episode? Yes, it was perfect. I mean, everything there is for a reason. They are not dedicating an entire shot of Rebecca picking up the jacket and then just haphazardly being like, oh, Ted's still wearing the jacket. He mm-hmm. clearly was I I don't believe that he left the field and went to her office because also I don't believe that she didn't she wasn't in her office at some point after the game before she went to have the drink with the guys like I think he might have been in a bathroom he was somewhere clearly where nobody could get to him who knows and then he went to compose himself and was like I'm not leaving until I talk to her and I just think and plus like the expectation that she would be there clearly he overheard something like, okay, she's going to go have one drink. You're not just going to hang out in her office all night saying, well, maybe she'll come back if you don't know like what her intentions are. But yeah, this was like a big hot topic with me and some other devoted watchers. So. Yeah. Maybe just, maybe they do that just to, I mean, cause it, yeah, again, yes, it is probably intentional just to signify that like Ted has spent an extended amount of time at the offices. I think what they were trying, well, again, I hate saying stuff like that because I don't know. But I could see them doing that as another way to show time had passed. So clearly we see there's like a big break between when they won and Rebecca goes home and da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And then I think they were trying to show like lights are out. It's nighttime. Everyone's clearly gone. Ted's the only one in this building. So at some point he went back and got his jacket and, you know, but it was just such a weird thing. It was such a weird thing that so many people independently were coming to me and being like, did you see the jacket? And I'm like, yeah, but then I rewatched it and I still have some friends who don't agree with me. They're like, no, I don't think that's the case. And I'm like, I'm just refuse to believe the show will make a mistake. No way. Also, are no we going to talk about the Roy Kent conspiracy? Oh, like- that Roy Kent is CGI. The Brett Goldstein <laughs> is CGI. I have thought a few times that like he almost looks fake. So he does. His skin is too Perfect. He doesn't have a single pore. And for a man that age, I don't care how great your skincare routine is for you not to have any visible pores. There's something wrong. So it I'm, great. I'm, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I don't think Brett Goldstein exists. I mean, I'll see. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be that perfect. Um, <laughs> the one thing, the last thing I want to touch on, I feel like there's always a lot of these episodes that like, we just don't have enough time. We just don't get to, cause there's always so much going on. The, the, the beard plot, the beard Jane plot, the reason they convene Ugh. the diamond dogs, it is a very authentic, realistic thing for, it, it's a difficult conversation to have when a friend is in a relationship that is not good for them. It is, it is tough to be that friend. It is tough to be the person who needs to tell someone that their relationship is toxic for one or both parties. And it's it's just interesting. Again, it's it's like a subplot that kind of falls by the wayside in this episode because there's so many other things going on, but it's also a very important thing. And it's the most real insight we get into beard for a lot of the uh for you know, for a lot of the season, or at least so far. And it's a it's a very brave thing for Higgins to do to tell him that. And I I, I really appreciated that that whole little subplot. I think it's funny because what little we know about Beard, which is very little, what we do know is that he he's a ladies man, for lack of a better term. Sex haver, yes. So we know Beard, based on little hints that he's dropped throughout the series, is a ladies man. We know that he's had many adventures and it's lovely. It's charming. It's charming. That it's the only thing we know about him because I can't imagine Beard flirting with anyone outside of like chess moves. But the whole Jane thing starting from last season, you know, where she, she leaves and that was kind of out of place. Cause it's like, Oh, are we supposed to be investing in Jane? Like what's the deal? And they really use this episode to show like, this isn't just a funny thing. This isn't just him having fun. And you know, he's being flippant and the girls being flippant. Like he's with somebody who doesn't treat him well. And that's his issue. I mean, if anything, we're seeing like people who we think they have their lives together. It's just like real life. 
they've all got something going on. Right. And I think it's funny because when everyone's like, don't say anything, that's the rule, right? We don't say anything about people's relationships, not only because we think it's wrong, which debatable, but it's because when I, and I know when I think about the worst relationships I've ever been in, it would take a lot more when I was at my worst, it was going to take a lot more than a friend saying this is bad. I wasn't just going to be like, no matter how much I love them. Like I've had friends in the past say, okay, you know, that guy's trash, right? <laughs> like he's, he treats you terribly. And it didn't stop me. It still took me seeing it for myself. So there's that. It's like it's wasted breath. But I also I think Higgins kind of showed us it wasn't just about him being like a busybody and being somebody who just knows it all and wants to tell people how to live their lives. He they with that one line, you're a great man. Does she make you greater? It showed he's genuinely invested in Beard. He wants him to be happy and he doesn't want him to be mistreated. He isn't saying like, he isn't focusing on Jane. He isn't saying Jane doesn't respect you. He's not saying Jane is Mm -hmm. bad to you. She's probably cheating on you. Like you guys fight so much. That's a toxic relationship. All he says is, is this making your life better or worse? He just doesn't say the or worse part. Yeah. It's really, it's really important how he phrases it. And it's wouldn't expect anything less from Higgins who is, who is just great. Um, I, I would also be remiss not to mention I, a line that I had forgotten about when Ted is talking about how inside he likes eating, he likes meeting people's moms because he can learn a lot of like a lot about how <laughs> how someone, you know, came to be or whatever, like, you know, why someone is the way they are. And he goes, how's Mrs. Beard, by the way? And he's just full QAnon, full blown QAnon. <laughs> I love that. I had some friends too who said that's the best subtle line of the episode. Be sure to mention that next time. It is. It's, yeah, it's, it's so great- funny. So many things get so many things get overlooked, but it's not that they're being overlooked. It's that this show is very good at not screaming the best stuff it yeah. has. It's like this is going to be good on its own. And I think it does that a lot with the dialogue, too. It's uh, and, you know, Brett wrote this episode. He did. He also wrote. So, um, I believe he re- they said he wrote the divorce episode from last season, which that did. was. Is that the Liverpool episode that they're talking about? No, that was right before Liverpool. So he wrote the one, I believe. The, oh gosh, I probably is it the on one that. where they I, where she visits that one. Yes. So I guess that was two before. I took it to mean he he wrote the visit, but I could be Brett wrong. Brett Goldstein so likes to hurt us a little bit. I know with, Brett is with really both which the I've pen said, and like, those good looks. It's tough. The thing the thing about Brett and Roy Kent is we have to remember he was a writer. Mm-hmm who simply took a chance and said, I think I could play him. They were not looking at Brett Goldstein to play Roy Kent, and he ends up being like arguably the breakout star of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially in this season. Um, yeah. The Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character, this has never been an easier choice for me in any episode. The easy, easy choice for the best supporting character of this episode is the half-button zebra shirt that Danny Rojas is wearing. He is Danny Rojas. It is a force to be reckoned with that night out after that win for Man, sure. We love Danny. We love Danny Rojas. It's yeah, it was great. I love that they're letting other players shine, even when they don't have consistent storylines. Like, of course, Danny was the, the whole focus on episode one and it was a great vehicle. And it was a great way to get us into it, but just like Colin, just like, I don't know what the French player's name is, but him with his girlfriend in the Christmas episode. It's so good at making us really love all these very, not even supporting characters, like these minor characters Mm -hmm. who we don't know their story. We don't know why we should be invested, but they're just so fun to watch. Yeah, and it's a great episode for those minor characters because again, Colin, the, you know, uh, Colin working with working with Dr. Fieldstone, the I'm a strong, capable man, not a piece of shit, and also rapping Jumpman, just an incredible... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Incredible contributions from from Colin, and then also Harriet Walter is Deborah, uh, Rebecca's mom, who we have we've not talked about yet. Um, know. You know, telling her husband that she's leaving him while she's on the toilet, which is a which is a power move, I would say, even though you know how <laughs> everything ends up. She is also. Uh, are you watching? Do you watch Succession, Alex? No, but it's on my list. It's one of those like I know it's great, and I know as a media person, I would love it. It's just. We only have so much time. Yeah, so she is in. She's in succession right now. She is in arguably the two best shows on TV, which is pretty impressive. Well, you know, I don't think we brought this up um, last week or the week before. Gosh, I'm forgetting everything. Um, but you know, on the Christmas episode, the dentist. You know, that's the Ussy guy's mom in real life. Oh, is it really? 
Yeah. And she's also, she was on this Doctor Who episode or maybe episodes. I don't know. The British listeners are going to come after me because I've only just recently gotten into Doctor Who. And to be honest, it was just because I like Matt Smith. Um, but she was, she's apparently very like loved and yeah, but that's her, her son in real life. And so it's really funny that they brought her on as mom, but I, I love how they do guest stars. It's going to be this. really interesting to see what season three is like, because they're this show at this point could probably pull the, the guest stars that they could, I mean, oh, yeah. in turn, especially in terms of like British actors or British TV actors, like it's not out of the question if they called like a David Tennant or even like Olivia Coleman or something like that, someone to, to do it or like Phoebe Waller bridge, like the, the potential, I know, I know. I just thought of Phoebe Waller-Bridge on Ted Lasso and just got giddy. But like the potential, you, the thing about a guest star is you don't want that, it, with a show like this where we have all these beloved characters and even our minor characters, our Danny Rojas's, our Collins, like they don't, this, this Harriet Walter performance, it didn't overwhelm anyone. Like it was, yeah. it was very good in its own right. She got to cook a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't taking away from anything. And it only let the characters that she interacted with, you know, thrive more. So, yeah. Um, it's man, if they can get Phoebe Waller bridge on Ted, Lasso. my I'm, I'm sidetracked. Don't even know where I was going just cause now it's like flea bag. Plus now Lasso. we're just thinking of <laughs> we're such Americans. We're just thinking of like all the British stars we love. Yeah. We I mean, I'm, I'm almost out of names. I remember. So what I think is funny and like, this is also another conversation for another day, but I can hear me. I'm sorry. I yeah, I can hear you. Up. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. What I think is interesting from my perspective as somebody who's been a fan of comedy all of her life especially British comedy, because I always loved how subversive it was. I always loved the subtlety that it didn't hit you over the head. It's funny because the way Lasso is written is such a blend of like what I think makes American comedy really good, where they will lead you directly to the joke. And there it is. There's the payoff, you know, and not even the joke, but the story in general, but also this very subtle blink and you miss it kind of silly humor. I think that's what I always loved about British humor. It's what I loved about Monty, Monty Python when I was younger. And, you know, people like to say, oh, well, you just, some people like American humor and some people like British humor. And I just don't think that's true. I mean, I think certainly there are people like that. I don't think they're mutually exclusive things. I think you can have an appreciation for both and understand how both have evolved. And I think the show blends it very well. I say that though, and I feel very exposed because look, I'm not an expert on this stuff. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who would disagree with me on that. That's fine. We can disagree. This is a show where we're open to all opinions, but like, I just feel like the things that I love about, especially snappy British dialogue, where, you know, some of the best jokes happen under someone's breath or muttering something. I just think it's so smart. It's such a good blend of that. Yeah. I mean, again, it, and it's funny, our main character, it, it's the entire premise of the show. American yeah. guy into has to try to integrate himself into England and the show itself is having to do that too with a yeah. blend of there are British writers there are American writers on the show and they're all kind of working together into this kind of what is what is turning into this seamless experience of a show that doesn't seem to be making any missteps from plotting and pacing perspective to the the dialogue and the comedy and it, it is this blend and it is appealing to so many people so I think you're right on in that it is this a great combination of American comedy and English comedy. Um, last thing, you know, what is something that you, you know, question you want answered or, you know, something, some hope for next episode. I mean, it looks like we're getting, we're getting a lot of people coming face to face with Dr. Sharon and, and some of their, their mental turmoil. I obviously we want to see Ted start to get some help for what he's dealing with. We want to see our boy be okay. Yeah, we want to see like him be okay, or at least start the journey to being okay. Like the fact that he's asking for help is what the big victory is here, right? Because it's not as simple as go sit in a chair and talk to a therapist or talk to a psychiatrist. It's never that simple. It's a journey. And just the fact that he knows though, that he can't just, he, he can't pretend that nothing's wrong. That's great. I'm glad to see that progress. The Rebecca Sam thing really does give me anxiety. I just think, you know, on the surface, like it's just a no-go area. It really is. It's like, you cannot be involved with an employee. You can't. And especially when you're a woman and when you're at the head of something, you cannot do that. And I am so anxious about how they're going to resolve this because it's not going to be as simple as, oh, it's Sam. 
oh, well, never mind. I'm an ambitious business lady. <laughs> like, it's just not going to be that simple because they probably do work really well together, but obviously in their current situation, that's not going to happen. And it could be a big scandal and I'm scared. I'm so yeah, scared. Sam isn't showing up with Brinkley and they're not living happy, happily ever after. <laughs> exactly. No chance. Exactly. No chance. But I'm, I'm very ready for next episode. Alex, as always, it is wonderful to, to recap these episodes with you. Tell the folks where they can follow you and what are you, what you're up to for the win. Sure. You can follow me at Alex McDaniel on Twitter and Instagram and other places. And, but I really want you to follow for the win. Um, it's what fans are talking about with USA Today and we're a lot of fun and we write about what's fun about being a sports fan, which is kind of what this is all about. So please support them. And I, I love them. And you we're just launched bet this. for the win. We did today. We launched bet for the win. So we're going to It's a totally, well, it's still under our umbrella, but it's a site with its own staff and i um, going to be focusing on betting and, and fantasy and lots of Lots of fun stuff that you can do with your money. <laughs> so I guess go follow that too. They will be giving better better advice than what, what I did this weekend, which was to parlay Illinois cover, which went well, oh. obviously. And then yeah, I that took, did go well. I took the over at 52 and a half, which would have hit had that kicker not shanked that extra point. Uh, See, this is, why, this is why I can't bet on sports. It was I tough. I couldn't do it. It was very, very tough. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Shorty Sports, please remember, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review. Tell us what you're thinking about the Ted Lasso recaps. If you're an Apple podcast, five-star review, that would be great. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash sports. We're going to be back on Monday covering Whiplash with my buddy Mike Schubert. Great movie, great guest. And then me and Alex and Adam Amin will be uh, back on Thursday talking Ted Lasso. We'll see you then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.